The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Well, last week, the Chiefs didn't win yet, and now they have won, so that's exciting for some. 99% of us, Ryan, 99% of us, that was fun. So I'm glad you guys have decided to um, make your way back in here, it's good. Uh, We are a a church of people who uh, need Jesus, so if you're visiting with us and you need Jesus, welcome. Brothers and sisters are here. Um, we, we desire that our lives be um, a reflection of the life that Jesus lived, and we know that we get that wrong daily, um, but our hope is, is that uh, we will find like-minded brothers and sisters in our lives that will encourage us to wake up the next day, take the next step, continue to pursue Christ in the way that Christ lived, um, not so that we can... Um, be with the Father. It's so that the Father is pleased with our lives. We know that it is only because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross that we have in the back of our sanctuary uh, that allows us to take steps towards um, faith and repentance, and He does the work. Um, and, and we want to do that across the board with our youth ministry. <coughs> Maybe you're still picking up Nerf darts because we talked about that. I found a couple this morning in the sanctuary. Uh, but this last week, um, we have desire for our kids, our kids ministry, to to understand the values of be blessed, belong. And one of our belong environments, uh, Lori put together for us this weekend. Uh, we have a couple photos here. She turned the the hallway and the back room into a theater. Isn't that fantastic? Like, yeah, you're like. You're like, yeah, of course we have a theater back there in the back. That's what, we, yeah, no, Lori did fantastic in her team and students who came and helped with that night. It was, it was nothing but a good time. So uh, my hope for you is if you have kids or you have grandkids and, and they want to come and learn what it means to follow Jesus and understand that he is the way into salvation and that you can find like-minded friends who uh, want to pursue fun together and also pursue um, uh, knowing Jesus together, that our ministries are doing some sweet things. So if you see Lori, tell her that was awesome, because it really, really was a sweet night. We are in the book of Exodus, and uh, if you would need a Bible or would like to use the Bible, we have some around underneath the chairs around the church. Feel free to grab one of those and use that. We're in Exodus 18. Uh, that's where we, we are at currently in our series. We're working our way all the way through the uh, last chapter of Exodus slowly throughout the semester. And uh, one way to organize the book is into halves. Uh, um, just like, you know, we have the Old and New Testament, we kind of have the first and second half of Exodus. And one way to see Exodus is the, uh, the season or the first 18 chapters as a, uh, a section of redemption. This idea that God is uh, saving his people out of slavery in Egypt. He's, he's fighting the army for them. He's, he's saving them through uh, starvation and thirst. And even last week, another battle, you know, protecting them. And then 19 through 40 
uh, it's kind of a story of revelation. We learn a lot about God. Uh, coming up next week is Mount Sinai. It's when, you know, Moses goes up and gets the Ten Commandments and, and gets the law. And, we, of course, we have books of the Bible that are dedicated to what God said to Moses up on the mountain. Uh, but this is chapter 18. It's kind of this uh, in between the two sections, if you divide Exodus in half with verse 18, between this redemption and revela- revelation section. And we are following God's people. They're being uh, saved. They're being called out uh, from captivity. We have a, a pursuing God who's pursuing his people, but also he's asking that the people follow him in daily dependent relationship. Uh, they need to live in reliance daily to, to, uh, to eat, to drink. They, they, the way that God has set up these systems for them with the manna and the water and the protection, they need God. Uh, and, and a key way or a key um, purpose behind why this keeps happening, why there's this reliance, there's this dependence on God, is because that's the way that God has set up his covenant and his promises. And just a review, uh, we haven't read all these things. We refer to them regularly here uh, at our church. But uh, one of the first promises was with Abraham. He was promised that he would be a great nation. He would be the father of a great nation. And we saw that happen in Egypt. The, the, the lineage and families of Abraham became numerous, so numerous that the Egyptians decided to enslave them because they were scared of them. Secondly, God promised uh, Abraham land. And the Bible goes on to name this as this very creative title called the promised land, right? And God promises that those who bless Israel will be blessed. Israel is the people of Abraham, right? And, and those who curse the people of Abraham, Israel, these, this people group, the Hebrews, will be cursed. We saw that last week in this, the battle with the Amalekites. And if you were here, um, it's the story in chapter 17 of Exodus where um, when the staff was raised high, the staff of God was raised high, the Israelite armies were winning the battle. And when the arms of man got tired and Moses became the tallest point on the hill, uh, the Israelites became, um, they were being defeated. So lastly, God promised Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through, through him there'll be a blessing of all the nations and part of that's going to be realized today. That's what we're going to be looking at. Let me pray before we continue. God, we, we need you. We thank you for the breath, the, the legs, the energy, the, the steps that were made to make it to a gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Jesus, as we study the scriptures, I pray that we lean on you and the work that you have done. Holy Spirit, we need you to move us and guide us and to align us to the truths of God. God, thank you for continuing to pursue people thousands of years ago as we read now and then today here in Overland Park. We ask this in your name. Amen. So uh, if you weren't here last week, I, I, I put a little map together. I'm going to start with that today, uh, this little map, just to remind us where we're at, the the, the Mediterranean area, you see Italy up there in Turkey, and we're here in the corner, this little upside-down triangle, if you will. Uh, you can go to the next slide. This is this, this trip from, you see the delta of the Nile, that's where they were 
captive in Egypt. Land was very green on the map, and they're down here in like this desert space between these seas uh, on their way to Mount Sinai. Uh, the mountain is still there. <laughs> it's, it's still a really big mountain down towards the peak in this region of the world. And this is where they are walking. And the last time Moses was in this region, uh, when uh, you guys may remember the story that around 40, Moses, uh, he's, he grows up in the palace of Pharaoh. Um, and, and then in his 40, he sees a Hebrew getting beat by a taskmaster. And he steps in and on his own tries to stop this one small moment of happening. And, of course, he ends up killing this taskmaster. And he flees. This is where he flees. He flees to this region of the world, Midian, uh, Horeb. Um, and, and while he's here, he meets a, a family. He, he meets a, a lady and her father. Uh, he marries this lady, and the father becomes his father-in-law. His name is Jethro. And he takes the, the task of not living in the palace of Egypt, but being a sheep herder. That was his job is a sheep herder and had hundreds of sheep that he followed. But during this season of his life, um, while he was out and about, a bush started talking to him. That was on fire. That was God. And God had another plan for Moses in his life. And we can read that God has something to do with this simple sheep herder. Exodus 3.12, God told Moses through this fire when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So Moses has left Egypt, and guess what? He's on his way back to where he first met God, this region of the world. And at some point in time, Zipporah, Moses' wife, uh, they went back to be with her father, took the boys with them, and word had gotten out, out now that Moses had, these great things had happened in Egypt. Moses had freed the slaves, and now the slaves are walking back towards this region of the world. And so Jethro heard Moses was coming close, so he took his daughter and his grandsons and went to go greet Moses with these hundreds of thousands of Hebrews that are now come out of captivity. And I don't know about you guys who have father-in-laws, but that's, that's a pretty big deal. Like last time you left, you said, you know, you're a sheep herder. He was employing you. This talking bush told you to go back to Egypt to go free some people. And then now you're back. So there's been a lot happened in the life of Moses and probably in Zippor and his kids since he left. And now he's going to have a conversation with his father-in-law and, and and I don't know if you guys have very many intense conversations with your father-in-laws, but my, my River's dad's name's Ronnie, and Ronnie is not a believer. And um, I felt convicted over a number of years that I never actually offered the gospel to Ronnie. We talked about church and talked about God and Jesus enough. Not every moment we're together, but enough. But I never specifically just laid out what God had done in my life and what God could do in Ronnie's life. And I'm made a point to, when I was visiting home one Christmas uh, a handful of years ago, to say, Riv, that's my, my wife's name is Rivers, Riv, I'm going to, I'm just going to go over and talk to Ronnie a little bit, and talk about what God's, like very, just real, a real intentional conversation. So um, I go and I, 
I share with him, uh, I, I use a, a diagram and kind of the Roman road, if you guys know some of those key verses in the book of Romans about, you know, we're all sinners and it's Jesus and his love and that God displayed that love to us through a sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And I had this message I wanted to give to Ronnie. I wanted to say, Ronnie, this is true for me. It's, it's also true for you. Do you believe it? So we're standing around the island in the kitchen, and I'm sharing with him about my story. And, you know, we'd come off the mission field. He knew I took his, his daughter overseas to Hungary for four years, and that was a whole thing to talk about that with the, with the dad. And, and, but we're back, and I'm sharing with him about what God's done in my life, and, and I offer the gospel to him. And Ronnie listens very, very well. He, he, um, he has a horrendous background uh, with... Uh, a, a very physically abusive father, uh, did some horrible things to him as a child, and um, questions why would God allow that to happen, and lots of some goofy things that happen in different churches, which most of us have those scenarios in our life as well. And um, as he processed what I said, uh, he, he said, I, I need to think about that. And, and Ronnie, he's, he's a slower thinker, very bright guy, can rebuild a muscle car uh, more than anybody I've ever met. Very bright guy, but when it comes to philosophical or religious issues, these things he doesn't think about very much. So he walked over to the sliding glass door in his kitchen and just looked outside. They have way too many wind chimes, right? And so he's looking at all these wind chimes. And I'm like, I'm like, God, do something. God, you know, I'm just like, like I, I don't want to interrupt anything. And, you know, after, you know, four or five minutes, and this is that's a long time to wait after you ask somebody a question, you know, he just said, I'm just not ready yet, you know, and, and I said, I, I understand that, Ronnie. I want you to know that I love you, and God loves you, and Rivers loves you, and we pray for you and Lorna and, and, and the grandkids, and um, we just want to be people that if you have questions about this stuff, that we want to be people you, want, you can talk to. And that's the last time that we had a, a weighty conversation. This was four years ago or so, a weighty conversation about Christ. We talk about what church is doing sometimes when he asks and things like that. But my hope for you is that when a, when a father-in-law or a mother-in-law or cousins or people like that in your life, when God puts on your heart to, to have the, a conversation that goes beyond the, the light, fluffy things that we normally talk about, that kind of goes beyond like everything isn't all right right now. I'm, I'm a little sad for you and where you're at with God, and I want to talk to you about that. I'm not saying you say those words, but like that's what's motivating you to have that kind of conversation. Moses is about to meet with his father-in-law. You know what his father-in-law is? He's a priest of pagans in Midian. And he's going to come check out and see what Moses is doing and bring his wife and grandkids. That's the scenario that Moses is walking into as we read this today. So let's read Exodus 18. We'll read most of the chapter. If you're new with us, um, I believe the early church, when they got together, they read the Bible a lot. They read a lot of letters of Paul. They read the Old Testament. And uh, we like to read the Bible here. So we're going to read uh, most of chapter 18 today. Exodus 18.1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all, all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, 
had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eleazar, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. I don't know if you recognize this, but Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. I just want to point that out. He came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet, guess what, his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. So our first point for today is what we're going to talk about for a second, is our past should point others to God. Our past should point others to God. Moses goes out to meet Jethro and greets him warmly and respectfully. And after some small talk, Moses tells all that the Lord had done. Can we just imagine what that conversation was like? Like chapters third, chapter 3 all the way up to 18, what God has done. These are like the ten plagues. These are like snakes and sticks and all kinds of stuff. Could you imagine that conversation? And Jethro just hearing, hearing, hearing what God has done for us. What did Moses proclaim? Well, the ten plagues. Water from a rock. Bread from the ground. Quail from the skies. Victory over the Amalekites. Moses is looking back. He's remembering the past. He's remembering what God has done for him. And Moses wants his father-in-law to know God. He doesn't want him to be impressed with Moses. He doesn't want to raise Moses to the top of the story. He wants to raise God to the right point of the story that God actually is. The one in charge. The one in control. The one who gets all the glory. What we see here is Moses' past being used to point his father to God. Even his kids' names remember what God has done in this land. And I just want to say, if you're a Christian in, this, in the room, you have a past that involves God. You have something in your life that you can remember, that you can tell the present relationships about who God is in your life. We're told in 1 Peter 3.15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And sometimes we get stuck on this First Peter passage where it's like, how many people each day say to us, would you tell me about the hope that you have? I want to know about that. Like in our culture, we don't really have that many deep conversations. We, we, we don't. Maybe with a close friend or two, you have all the deep conversations, so they, they probably know most of these things about you. But when it comes to new people or people that are maybe 
like that one circle out of your close relationships, we struggle with knowing how to have that sort of conversation, especially about religion that can be kind of divisive. You know, in America, uh, unity has been, not been our norm the last four years. We've been pretty divisive people. So people are kind of slow to say anything that might cause a little bit of division. But what could happen? What could we learn from this idea? Maybe somebody not just saying, what's the hope that you have a reason for, but somebody who asks you questions about your life. Maybe that's an opportunity as followers of Christ. We can sometimes maybe not share the, the Roman road or offer the whole gospel as I did with my father-in-law or Moses telling all the stories that God has done the last 15 chapters. But you could give seeds, right? You do a little, sprinkle some water about what God is doing in your life. So um, many of us are asked questions like this. How was your weekend? Right on Monday morning. That's a very normal thing in our culture, especially if you go into an office anymore or you talk to people about uh, what's going on on Mondays or Tuesdays. How was your weekend? What did you do on the weekend? Do you ever consider bringing up that you go to church? Do you ever? I'm not saying every week you're like, well, remember, I'm the guy who goes to church. <laughs> I'm not saying. Don't be, don't be weird. Gently, respectfully, normally, right? Normally. But if you've had a conversation, how was your weekend for 25 weeks, and you never once brought up that you went to church, what's up with that? Then maybe it's kind of weird to say that you went to church because you are you... You, don't, you didn't trust me to tell you? Like, you, think, you think I think you're weird if you went to church, bro? Like, there's like churches everywhere. I used to go to church. Like, church isn't a scary word. But then you can decide based on gentleness, respect, and normalcy what could happen with bringing up that you went to church or that you met somebody new at church or that you're having some church friends over or you met this person at church and you guys are going to go do this thing together. Like, that's something. That's a start. It maybe matches the question of, how was your weekend? Or, think about this. How are you doing? That, that's kind of open. That's kind of, how are you doing? Most Christians have stuff that we're doing well in because of God's blessing. And we have plenty of stuff that we're not following Jesus in that we're like, I'm kind of struggling with a few things. Would you be the person who has a little deeper relationship with God that could actually offer a deeper relationship with a person and say something like, well, actually, things are going pretty good, but uh, there's some things going on in my family right now. It's kind of hard. I mean, it's pretty much all of us at all times, but you know what I mean? It's like, but there are times where it's like something is more specifically going on in your family that you might want to offer that and bring that up, right? Or something you're trying to get better at or something you're trying to fight. People post all the time on Facebook, hey, I'm taking the month off of this, I'm taking the month off. They're not following Jesus. They're just taking a month off and telling the whole world they're taking a month off of something because look how disciplined they are. But for you, it's like, what's going on in your life that you could say, hey, I'm actually kind of struggling with some stuff right now. Do you have a minute? Maybe you can give me some advice on it. And you genuinely care that they may have some advice. It may not be from the scriptures, but they could be have just a friendship to give you some advice like, you're being a jerk, dude. You're like, I needed to hear that. <laughs> but my hope for you is that when you read passages, like make the most of opportunities. Just know like most people don't know very many Christians. 
You might be the Christian they know. And what are you doing with that light? What are you doing with that opportunity? And I hope that we would recognize that our past should point others to God. Things about your weekend, things about your life, and especially when you have those lunches or those trips with people and you get into deeper topics, please bring up what God's done in your life. They want to hear that. Not that you just figured it out and got a little bit better, but that God helped you, helped point you in the right direction, the ways of Christ. Let's continue reading. Exodus 18.9. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Point number two today. When people see God, everything might change. When people see God, everything might change. And those words I chose because Moses and Jethro was very different than Dave and Ronnie. There's a potential for change when people hear the ways of God, when people hear about God moving, when people hear there's hope and there's true forgiveness offered to humans from a perfect creator through the work of Christ. Do you have people in your life that seem far from God? Maybe like Moses, you have a a friend or a family member who probably would never in your mind trust in the one true God. Moses is like... My father-in-law is a priest of pagans. He doesn't just go to church. He like leads church services to false gods. But when Jethro heard stories of what's happening in Egypt with the Hebrews, with his son-in-law, things changed for him. God went in and made a heart of stone, a soft heart. And now he's seeing and hearing firsthand and seeing the people and hearing stories of the other tribes around tell of this nation that's moving towards Mount Sinai. Caesar parting, literally. And we can see that this is part of God's plan. Exodus 9, 16. This is God talking to Pharaoh through the voice of Moses before the plague of the hailstorm. For this purpose... I have raised you, Pharaoh, up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. The plagues. What's the purpose of all the plagues? Not just to get Pharaoh to let his people go. That's one of the things. But another was that the whole world would tell the stories of this great God who's a rescuer. This is what happens with Jethro. He hears the stories. God's name's being proclaimed in all the earth. So God's pursuit of his people and punishment of his enemies is for God's worship in all the earth. 
people will be most satisfied. When they turn from their idols, when they turn from selfish living, their false gods, and turn to the one true God. So what happens when a, a pagan priest learns of the actions in pursuit of God? Let's look at this. I, I kind of highlighted these on the screen for us. So first, the response is, there was rejoicing. Jethro praises. He says, blessed be the Lord. He's proclaiming the glory of the Lord to Moses and the elders, those that are listening. Next, he, he declared truth. God was the greatest of all gods. Hopefully, that jumped out at you when you, we were reading through the scriptures. Like, he doesn't quite get it all yet, but how many of us got it all the first time? Like, he's not understanding there is only one true God and the other gods are false gods. But he's like, amongst the gods that I know, your God is the God, the, the mightiest of all gods. He declared truth. Second, or thirdly, he, he acted. What did he do? How did his feet and hands change? Well, he brought sacrifices to God. Even the pagans knew something. There's a broken relationship between us and God. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm not good enough. Something has to be destroyed so that I can approach God. And for those of us who know the story of the gospel, this is Jesus who loved the world so much that he gave his son as the sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to be that. So when people see God, everything might change. God can do more in a moment than we can do in an entire lifetime. This is why we pray. This is why we lean and are dependent on who God is and his power. But it's also the wonderful hope of the gospel. When people hear the gospel, God reveals truth to them and things happen. They, they may rejoice. My hope for Ronnie is that he will rejoice and say, Dave, this is, this is real? My, my sins can be forgiven? Yes, Ronnie, it's true. Then they may declare their faith and obedience to Jesus for what he has already done. Then they may, they may recognize that the sacrifice of Christ was sufficient. And they say, I want to identify myself with Jesus and I want to be, have a sacrificial life that attaches to the life of Christ so that I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And then there's acceptance. As Jethro was accepted, the leaders of Israel, they ate a meal together. And like that today, we, we have this gathering that's not just weekly for most of us. Most of us see each other multiple times a week. We have relationships and we care for one another and recognize we need one another. And we're welcomed, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. Amen? It's because of who we are. We're children of God. When we see God, everything might change. Dark to light, hate to love, lost to found. Okay, well, let's read this last section as we finish up. 1813. The next day, Moses sat up to judge the people, and people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. 
when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. I make them know the statues of God and his laws. Moses' father, father-in-law said to him, what, are you, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God, and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and Place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it'll be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. 23. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure. And all this, people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses sits before the people all day, mediating for the people. Jethro, his father-in-law, sees this as unhealthy. and Not that Moses shouldn't mediate, but just that he would try to do it all by himself. Jethro proposed this new form of justice or government that was... uh, Kind of a judicial, a judicial system, if you will, a way deciding legal cases with Moses being the chief justice. It was also a plan for providing sort of pastoral care and passing on that pastoral care to other under shepherds, if you will. But I think Exodus 23 shares with us the goal. It's the goal of this advice. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all this people also will go to their place in peace. But the point I want to end with today is not just the idea of delegation and the healthiness of working as a team and the importance of dividing the work for the betterment in everybody. But as we started with this pagan priest now knowing God is the one great God, as we look at that, I want to just... Look through his lens for a second. So our third point today, God uses new and mature believers for his mission. God uses new and mature believers for his mission. Clearly Jethro um, has some confidence, right, for sure. There's some confidence here, but he also has some giftings of administration and organization and in his experience, maybe as a priest of Midian, going, this isn't going to last very long. What's actually happening here? It's too much. And he wants these people to have peace. That's what his goal is. Like, they won't have peace with a worn out Moses. And I think he does care about his son-in-law. He cares about his endurance and his leadership. And we can grab a few things from this that... When you choose leadership, ability is important, but it's not the only thing that's important. He says that they should fear God. So for us, when we consider leadership, especially in 
in the church settings, or if you're in a nonprofit setting and religion can be a part of this, like their faith in God is important. But how would you, how do you rank somebody's faith or know their maturity in faith? Well, do they fear God or not? Do they walk around humbly knowing that God is God and they are not? That's his advice. And thirdly, this idea of trustworthy, character of being essential. And I would say in whatever roles that if you're in management or middle management in any way, character is essential for your own endurance as well as the peace of those that they are leading. But Jethro here, knowing these truths, he takes a step out and uses what he sees, his gifts, for peace, for endurance, for the glory of God. And we don't need to read the end, but Moses follows his advice. It was good for everyone. It was good for everyone. And what I want to close with knowing that God uses new and mature believers in this room is you may have been sitting around waiting for the next step of your faith to do something for the Lord. And I'm going to say, if, if you're rooted, built up, or established, you're ready to do something for the Lord. You're ready to step out. Maybe it's a gifting or a skill set or it's an empowerment that God's revealing to you that you already can use for the kingdom of God. God wants to use you for his mission. And today, just in review, this one man, Jethro, do you know how he's related to Moses? I'll tell you, it's his father-in-law. <laughs> Jethro and his development and his faith went from lost to found. Here's our review words for the day. Our past should point others to God. Moses shared of the past, pointed Jethro to God. Look at what God has been doing. And when people see God, everything might change. And for Jethro, it did. He put God at the number one God rank in his world at the time. And thirdly, God uses new and mature believers for his mission. Jethro right then saw something and spoke. And Moses took his advice, and it was good. God gets the glory. It's God who's doing the directing. The people get the peace. So my hope for today is if you've heard the ways of God, maybe today's a day where something might change for you. Maybe you'll say yes to him and you want to follow him. We're about to have a time of communion. I'll be sitting in the front row and you can come talk to me about that or on the card in the seat. You can put that in the offering box in the back. Just say, I want to talk. I want to hang out. I'll give you a call. But my hope is that you would see that it's God being lifted up over and over again that changes people. And once we're changed, he wants to send us out for his mission. Let's pray. God, thank you for continuing to work. Thank you for your scriptures. May the Bible continue to move us to live rightly. May we care about people. May we care about those who don't know you yet. I pray for Ronnie that his heart will be soft to your spirit and that he will need you and rely on you, and that he will change his mind and put his faith in you. 
I pray for the many in this room that are friends and families of neighborhood church folk that don't know you yet. I pray that you will use our past and the, your, your activity in our lives now to share of what can be different in the future. Jesus, thank you for the love that you have for the whole world and that everyone that calls on your name will be saved. It's in your name. Amen.